Dun, 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 dun. We started a new series last week called Faith for the Holidays. Faith for the Holidays. And how many of you will be traveling this week to go be with family for Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you are hosting uh, Thanksgiving at your house this year? How many of you are just going to Luby's because you could care less about any of this? There we go. We came out of a family that Thanksgiving was really the only time that I got to see uncles and aunts and cousins. And Thanksgiving at our house, family-wise, was bigger than Christmas. Uh, it was the one time we used to do this camping thing, I remember, when we were kids. And we would go to these different state parks. And we're not campers. We're, if there's a, an apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse, call me because I need to come to your house. Because we don't camp, hunt, fish, or do anything like that. But uh, that was just family, and we would be all together, and the kids would be together, and there was food, and it was just a lot of joy to it. Um, but you know, for some people, the holidays, or what we're going to start calling them the holy days, are not like that. And they can bring up a lot of negative things. They can kind of reinforce potentially maybe a, not a great childhood or something like that. And so I want to be sensitive about that. But I do think that God, what we're going to talk about this morning for the balance of the time is guess what? This morning, we are going to give ourselves an amazing gift for Christmas and for Thanksgiving. Are you excited? You this morning, so much about what we do is about doing for others, but what you're going to do this morning is you're going to give yourself the greatest gift you can ever give yourself. You excited to find out what it is? Amen. Let me just kind of do a little... Um, Recap of what we talked about last week. Don't take a holiday break from your faith. I cannot begin to tell you how vital it is that through this season, because you're going to be inundated with parties, with cooking, with, you know, how many of you still have children in school and you've got Christmas programs and you've got to make Mary's costume and your son's the donkey and... You know, all that kind of stuff, and you're tree number two, and you've got to get out on top of everything else that you're doing. You know, and, and this is just coming to me. You need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over your children's health right now. You need to get in front of any sickness, illness, and disease that comes nigh your dwelling, and you want to start inoculating your children as they walk out the door every day. You want to give your kids a shot every day. Of Isaiah 53, you want to be speaking that by the stripes of Jesus that they're healed and that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And you want to give them some, some vitamin C, wouldn't hurt either, and get their little immune systems going. But you want to make sure that you have a healthy holiday. Amen? No sickness, illness, or death. Uh, my daughter works in an urgent care. I'm not going to tell you which one, but it's just nonstop respiratory, COVID, all those types of things. And we want to make sure, let's get out in front of that this year. Amen? Let's not become just another victim of being stressed out and uh, putting our immune system through that. You want to keep your holiday or holy days Christ-centered. Keep it about Jesus. Amen? Keep Jesus in the center of everything that you're doing. Every Christmas party you go to, every family gathering you go to, no matter what you do or where you go, you want to keep Jesus right. You want to take, Jesus needs to be your plus one for everywhere you go. Amen. Jesus needs to be your plus one. And you need to take him with you wherever you go, if, especially if you go to the mall. 
take Jesus and a couple of angels with you besides that when you go to the mall. And uh, look to be a light. Look at that as being an opportunity to be a go-ye Christian. People are, are, people are looking to buy, so they're more susceptible when you have something that's amazing to give to them for free. They're looking for bargains. You give them Jesus. Amen? They're looking for a parking place. You give them eternal home. Give them a place in eternity. Amen? Because people are more open to that. Uh, as we looked at last week in Luke chapter 10, you have the story of Martha and Mary. And you know, Jesus went to their house and Martha comes out and she's so upset. I hope I'm getting this right. And Martha goes to Jesus and is like, Jesus, Mary's not helping me. I'm trying to make all of this food. I'm trying to cook all of this food. I'm trying to wrap all of these presents. I'm trying to make this costume for my kid, Jesus. And Mary, she's just sitting there. And Jesus didn't rebuke Mary, he rebuked Martha because Mary was keeping it Christ-centered. She knew in order to do all those other things that if she kept Jesus first, if she sat at the feet of Jesus, if she listened to the words of Jesus, if she spent quality time in his word, then all that other stuff would get taken care of. Amen? Don't get caught up in the busyness of this season. How many of us, have you ever said something and you wish you didn't say it? Now, when I'm fully rested, when I've eaten what I'm supposed to eat, slept what I'm supposed to slept, you know, had all the coffee that I've needed and all that, I am pretty good about that. But when we get in this push and this pressure and, and all this kind of stuff, it's amazing the words that start coming out of our mouths. Amen. We start, um, um, we're short with each other. Kindness goes out the window. You know, uh, unfortunately, because we don't know what to say, sometimes we'll just say whatever comes to our mind. And let me tell you, that is no bueno por nada. People do not need to hear what's coming off the top of my mind right now. They need a word from God. Amen. And so I just encourage you, be prepared before you get into these situations. Be prepared. Had you known that your house was going to be robbed, you would be sitting there with a loaded gun ready for that guy. We need to be ready before we go into these situations. Be prayed up. Amen? Be ready. Be spirit-led, not flesh-driven. I'll say that again. Be spirit-led and not flesh-driven. Be led by the Spirit of God when it comes to shopping, when it comes to buying, when it comes to cooking. Be led by the Spirit of God. Lord, do I put these crunchy things on these green beans? He might tell you no. <laughs> he would say, why would you ruin a perfectly good green bean by pouring soup and putting onion crisps on the top? That's personal. Sorry. Be spirit-minded, not present-minded. Amen. God wants to save you money. He does. God wants to save you money. Mattress Mac did not coin that phrase. God wants to save you money. If you'll be spirit-minded about the purchases you're about to make, don't buy impulsively. Don't buy just because. Be led. You can bless somebody. You'd be so surprised sometimes. And when giving somebody, sometimes a word is far more valuable than anything you can buy them. Just knowing that you're valued, that you're loved, how much that person means in your life. Put that in a card. Bless somebody. Let them know how you feel. Put a $20 inside of it. That helps a little bit. 
but be led about what you're doing. Don't be compulsive. Don't go into debt. Say this, I will not go into debt for Christmas. We will not go into debt. Don't buy things that people are not going to remember in a couple of weeks when it's all over and you have to make 99 easy payments on it until it's paid for. I'm preaching to somebody. And this is importantly, and this is what's going to lead us into this next part. James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my beloved brethren and sisters. Let everyone, if you're an everyone, say I. So he's talking to all of us, right? Let everyone be quick to hear, which means be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, oh Jesus, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. Now, let me tell you about the gift that you can give yourself for this holy season. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the gift that you can give yourself. Are you ready? Forgive. 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 Put it down. Whatever offense you've been carrying, maybe it's not easy to forget what was done to you, but you can forgive. And we're going to get into this. God has given us the most wonderful mechanism. God knew himself that it would be hard for us as human beings on our own to forgive. So he said, you know what? I'm going to help them. I'm going to give them a spiritual tool so that they can forgive and they can live free of all the junk and everything that's happened to them in their lives. I don't know about you, and I don't know maybe because I'm older now, maybe because I'm a father, maybe because I'm a pastor, but when I'm hearing of these atrocities that are taking place over in Gaza and in the Middle East and what has been done to some of these innocent children and people, I get really angry. I get very angry that people did not attack an army. They went after innocent women and children and civilians. That's what cowards do. Armies don't attack women and children. Armies attack other armies. Come on. And what's happening over there when I hear more and more of these stories of what was done to these parents, and these parents weren't perfect, and these children weren't perfect, and nobody over there is perfect. Please understand that. But when these atrocities are done to the defenseless, when these atrocities are done to the innocent, it makes something inside of me rise up that I don't like. I don't like it. So what do I have to do? I have to forgive. I have to forgive them. I have to forgive them. But I don't want to forgive them. I want to get even. I want to do to them exactly what was done to, to the others. But I want it done on national TV where everybody can see it. See, it's so easy to look at the atrocities of others and forget all of the atrocities that we've committed ourselves. Now, maybe we didn't do it against a whole nation, but have we sinned against our Lord and Savior, our God? Yes. Have we spoken out? Have we taken blood? Have we avenged ourselves? Have we robbed, stealed, done all those things? Yeah, hello. Not today, but I've done those things. 
Do I need forgiveness? Just because I got saved, that doesn't mean that I now walk in this perfect life. I'm sorry, am I in a room full of perfect people this morning? You look really good. You look hungry is what you look like, but you look good. But I need forgiveness. When I think back, when we were up here thanking God for all that He's done for me, I am just amazed. All of a sudden, these things that I did will come back to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh. How, how, how am I alive? How am I not in jail? How am I not dead over and over? How did a policeman not show up at my parents' house at 2 in the morning to tell them that their, their middle son had died doing something stupid? It could have happened a million, it could have happened hundreds of times. But for the mercy and but for the grace of God that I stand here before you today, born again, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I believe God's going to give me a DVD when I get to heaven. And he's going to show me all the times that judgment went past me because I had people praying for me. And I'm telling you, one of the first things that happened when I got saved, I started forgiving. I had to forgive because I knew the depths of all the things that I had been forgiven for. I knew the things that I openly did knowing that they went against everything that I knew and everything I thought about God. I was an enemy of God. And I did it on purpose, and I did it knowing full well what I was doing. But yet in the midst of that, he forgave me. Come on, somebody. Give yourself that gift today. Forgive. It's not worth it. It's not worth carrying around that weight anymore. Forgive, whatever it is. Colossians 3.13. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. God does. He was right there. He saw it happen too. He also knows that it wasn't fair. But when we forgive, we are not releasing that person from what they did. We're releasing ourselves from the prison of what happened to us. We can be free. Amen? Amen? You can be free. When I look at someone like Joyce Meyer, I I just, I'm like, Lord, the only way you can do that is by faith. When you think of all the abuses and all the atrocities and all the things that happen in homes, you know, you go to school with kids and you have no idea what they get when they go home, what happens to them. But yet God says, forgive. God, they're, they're going to get theirs. Don't worry. You know, nobody gets away with anything. But what, what's my, what's the high, what's the greatest way that I can act like God? Forgive. I can forgive. Forgive simply means favor that cancels. It's not based on any merit. It is to pardon. It is to exercise grace to freely show favor willingly. Forgiveness is an act, not a feeling, and it takes faith to accomplish it. That's the wonderful gift that God gave you to forgive. He gave you faith. Everybody knows that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Let me show you. Only one place in the Bible does the disciples say Jesus increased our faith. 
Only one time in the Bible did the disciples say, Jesus, increase our faith. Let's go to the book of Luke. Let's go to the book of Luke and let's begin in verse 17. I want to read 1 through 5. Luke 17. Uh, beginning in verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive them. Verse 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. They had no problem when Jesus fed the multitudes. They had no problem when Jesus walked on water. They had no problem when he delivered the, the, the demon person. But when they said, Lord, we have to now forgive Lord, it's going to take faith for me to do that. I, of my own self, do not have the capacity to forgive that person for what they did to me. And Jesus goes, I know, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a portion of my faith so you can use that to pay that debt. You do not have to forgive in your own strength. You do not have to forgive. It is not you that's doing the heavy lifting. Jesus is saying is if you'll give this to me, if you'll trust me with this, I'll do all the heavy lifting and I'll give you a life where you can walk through this as if it never happened. Now we've all had things that have been done to us, amen? But we've also done some things to some people. We all need forgiveness. We all need it. And this is what Jesus said. The, I mean, the apostle said, increase our faith. Why did the apostle say increase our faith? And I, I've got four points here. Number one, they must have felt particularly weak in this area. <laughs> you know, recognizing that you're weak in an area is your journey on the way out of that weakness. They recognized immediately that, like, Lord, can't do it. I mean, I, I, there's just too much. I can't, uh, I'm just not, I have no faith. You know, when, when you go to the gym, and uh, when I used to do these appointments with people, and the first appointments, I guess, when I worked the fitness desk, and I would get people in the gym, and Jeff was my boss, and he taught me, they taught us how to do these first appointments. And so somebody would come into the gym for the very first time. And so we would show them the machines and, you know, we would show them some stretches and, you know, you could show people how to do a plank. Anybody know what a plank is? A plank, you lay on the ground, you brace yourself. And it was so funny, you get somebody to do a plank and the first time they did it, some of their muscles were doing this. You know what that muscle was telling them? It had never been touched before. That muscle was introducing themselves to them for the very first time. They had never, ever developed. What the, what the apostles were saying was when Jesus said, you have to forgive 70 times, that muscle started doing this. And they were like, there is no physical way, Jesus, that I can do this. But Jesus said, 
I'll add mine to what you're doing and you will be able to do it. And you will be able to walk free of this and you won't just walk free. You'll be bigger and you'll be better and you're gonna help other people with this and you're gonna have a testimony instead of a tombstone. God wants you to have a testimony, not a tombstone. You know why tombstones weigh so much and are so big and heavy? Because they were never supposed to be moved once they get put in the ground. And yet we take tombstones with us wherever we go. This is where this died. This is where that died. This is where my relationship died. This is where that died. This is where my dreams died. And we carry these tombstones around with us. They were never meant to be mobile. Your testimony is, though. Take that testimony of what God's done, the goodness of God in your life. Amen? Number two, the duty of forgiving offenses of one of the most difficult duties as a Christian, and it goes contrary to our natural feelings. To forgive, it just goes all over us. It is the opposite of what we want to do. We don't like it. I liken it to this. Anybody ever deadlifted before? There are certain lifts that if you bench press, you can take that bench, and if you want, you can bounce it a little bit off your, you can get some motion going with that bench press. You can bounce it. If you squat, you can do the same thing with that. I can do a squat, I can get a little bounce off the bottom, get a little help. A deadlift is exactly what it sounds like, a deadlift. You have to get over that bar and over that weight, and there is nothing to help you. And you have to fully commit to what you're about to do, to pull that thing up off the floor. There is no help. There is nothing to help you bounce. There's nothing at all. It is completely from a dead position. And you have to be fully committed to do it. That's what forgiveness is to a Christian person. It is spiritual deadlifting. When you get under four or 500 pounds, your mind is screaming at you, don't do this. Why are you doing this to me? Your central nervous system is screaming at you. Why, what have I ever done to you? Because you're about to put it under such a strain that it's never been before. It's gonna release chemicals that it's never ever released before. Because you're about, but what you have to recognize is that you have to be fully committed. It's one thing to lift up 100 pounds. It's another thing to lift up 500 pounds. That's what forgiveness is to us. It goes totally against our psyche. It goes totally against, Lord, why do I have to bend over and pick up this heavy weight? But Jesus is saying, I'll pick it up for you. I'll do the heavy lifting for you. If you'll just give that to me, if you'll just trust me with that weight, I'll lift it for you. You don't have to do the heavy lifting anymore. Number three. It's a true sign of humility. It's a true sign of humility. The world says never forget or forgive a wrong. The world says get even. When you forgive somebody, it is one of the most powerful forces on the face of the earth. Does anybody remember the movie Schindler's List? It was brutal. It's a brutal, brutal uh, movie about what happened, Uh, Oscar Schindler, how he saved thousands of Jews during, uh, in Poland. Um, It's an amazing movie, it's very graphic, so I just encourage you if you watch it, just know that it's very, very graphic, and I think it should be, because it doesn't even come close to depict what happened to, once again, to our Jewish brothers and sisters. 
But there was one scene where there was a commandant who was so sick and so diabolical, he would just sit up in his room, which looked over the camp, and if he saw somebody not doing something he liked or just because he wanted to, he would shoot and kill them. If they did something wrong, he would kill them. There was nothing at all. So Oscar Schindler goes to him and he explains to him this thing called, if you really want to be powerful to these people, anybody can pick up a gun and shoot somebody. But if you could forgive them, oh my gosh, you would become so much more powerful than you are now. And so all of a sudden you see him on his horse the next day and somebody would do something, his saddle wasn't cleaned properly or something like that. And instead of pulling out his sidearm, he would do this. I I pardon you. I pardon you. Now that lasted about three people till somebody chipped his bathtub. And then he took a gun and shot a kid as he was walking away from his house. But even then they showed that the most powerful thing is not a weapon in this world. The most powerful thing is not a gun. The most powerful thing is not a bomb or a grenade. It's the power to forgive. That is the single biggest power. That's what God did for you and me. God forgave past, present, and future. Give yourself that gift this morning. Forgive. It's powerful. Release that person, release that thing, release um, whatever happened in that job or in your home. Forgive that person, release them, and in releasing them, it releases you. And you can walk free from all the junk that's happening. But pastor, it's hard. I know it. That's why the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. This is too hard. Number four. In the Old Testament, forgiveness was dealt with with the atonement. You had, uh, and it covered you for the year. Jesus dealt with the motive of their heart. And it was now done by faith, not the blood of bull and goats. Before, all you had to do, if you wanted to forgive somebody, is you just went, you got the appropriate sacrifice, your offering, you went to the high priest, They shed that blood. That blood would cover you for the whole year. You were good. Didn't matter what you thought about that person. Didn't matter how you felt about that person. You didn't have to release that person. All you did was you went up and you gave the appropriate sacrifice and that covered you for one year. Jesus came along saying, no longer is the blood of bull and goats enough. I want to talk to you about your heart. Jesus wants to talk to us about our hearts. Jesus cares about what's in your heart. He cares about the motive of what we do and why we do it and how we do it. When I bring my tithe, he's not looking at the amount in the envelope. He's looking at the motive of my heart. When I serve in the church, God's not looking at all the wonderful work that I'm doing. He's looking at the motive of my heart. When I get a gift from my wife, I'm not looking at how expensive it is. I'm looking at the motive of her heart. Because she has blessed me several times with things, and it just totally blew me away. Because I wondered, are you hiding money from me? (laughs) You know why? Because she listened to me. She listened to me. 
She heard what I said. It could have been six months before, but she remembered what I said, and she blessed me with that thing. I know the motive of her heart. Just giving something to me just to check a box and just so that she can say, hey, you got that gift. Remember that gift I got you? You don't need a $100,000 car today, ladies and gentlemen. You need forgiveness. That car is going to fall apart one day. But that forgiveness, it's eternal. Your forgiveness is eternal. Are we good? Can we go a little bit more? What are you going to say, no? (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, and I'll try and wrap it up with this. I got a lot more. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Let's begin in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, I want to know what that word Raka means. Fool shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift." In the Old Testament, if I needed forgiveness of anything that I did, like I just said, I would go to the stockyard, I would get the appropriate offering. Um, Let me have two pigeons. This is my offering. Two pigeons. Come on up, pigeons. So this is my offering. This is actually a scriptural offering in there. It was two turtle doves or two pigeons. I would come to the altar. Come on. I would bring them. Here, let me bring my, my gift, my offering. I would bring my offering, and we would come to the altar, and I would put my gift here, and I would present my offering. And then somebody would come and slash the offering. No. I would leave my offering, and I would leave my gift and my offering, and guess what? I would be blessed for what I just did. I brought my two pigeons, and I brought my offering, and now I'm blessed. Doesn't matter what I feel like. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't care about my motive of my heart. All I did was I just followed the law, and because I followed the law, I got the blessing of the law. Amen? Thank you. Give those two pigeons, fly, fly away, fly, fly. So now the Bible says, Jesus says, when you come to the altar with your gift, instead of bringing the two turtle doves, I have to go, do I have unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody? So now what I have to do is I have to go to, let's say it was my wife, and I have to say, honey, man, I'm sorry. I repent. You know, I left the lid up again, and I did <laughs> all of these things. And would you, would you please forgive me? I forgive you. You forgive me? You forgive okay, me. Okay, so now I bring my forgiveness. This is powerful. Instead of bringing the two pigeons, now I bring my forgiveness. And I put it on top of that offering. And now I walk over here. And I'm blessed. 
I would dare to say that your forgiveness and your unforgiveness is affecting your prosperity. Because how you bring this has everything to do with how you bring forgiveness, offense, and all those things. Unforgiveness is the blessing blocker. Unforgiveness is your blessing blocker. And sometimes we wonder, Lord, why aren't I having a harvest? Why aren't I seeing what I've been believing for? Well, you brought your offering. Did you bring your sacrifice? Uh-oh. Sacrifice? When we start talking about sacrifice, that's forgiveness. It is a sacrifice to forgive. There is blood that is shed when you forgive somebody. And sometimes it's your own. I have to forgive. Amen. I have to. Jesus told me, Jack, if you, want to, if you want to live a life that's pure and clean, if you want, how many of you want to live under that open heaven? Huh? How many of you want to live in a land where you're free? How many of you want to live someplace where you get revelation? How many are, the only way that that happens is if we constantly live in a life I constantly have to learn how to forgive. That person in traffic, kill them, but forgive them. <laughs> see, we want to shoot first and ask questions later. It's the other way around. We want to ask questions first. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'll end it with this. Forgiveness is a deeply personal act. No one can make us do it. We must arrive on it on our own. You know when you used to fight when you were kids, your brothers or your sisters and your mother, they would put you together and you'd have to look at each other and go, now you tell them you're sorry. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh yeah, I'll tell you I'm sorry. But the minute that lady walks out of the room, I'm going to knock your head off. And they would make us make up with each other. I used to do that with our kids. I'd make them look at each other. Oh, I loved it. It was so much fun. I like this timeout t-shirt where you put them both in one big t-shirt, you know, and they have to, you know, they have to stay in that one big t-shirt until they've, until they've forgiven one another. Oh, that was a good one. I still might do that. Listen to me. One of the the single greatest ways that we can be an example of love to this world doesn't mean being a doormat. Forgiveness is not you allowing somebody to do whatever they want to you when they want to do it. That's abuse. I'm talking about forgiveness. You can forgive somebody but never be around them ever again because they're toxic. You understand? I'm telling you, you don't have to keep, if you're in an abusive marriage or an abusive situation where you're, you're in either mental or physical abuse, get out. Run. You standing there and letting someone pound your head into the wall is not a sign of God's goodness to that person. Now that's very, very harsh what I just said, but listen to me. Men will, will, will manipulate that word to get them for you to do what they want you to do. Well, you have to forgive. Aren't you a Christian? Don't you have to forgive? Yeah, I got a carry and conceal permit too. I don't have to do anything. 
That's like submission in marriage. I can't make Michelle submit to me. She either chooses to or not. That's between her and God. It has nothing to do with me. Man, I don't know where that came from, but somebody needed to hear that. Forgiveness is not sitting there and just being a doormat for somebody to continually, continually. Now, what's the Bible say? If they sin seven times in the same day, seven times 70, how many times do you have to forgive them? Always. But if they borrowed money from you and haven't paid you back, I'm not loaning you any more money. You can come to me and repent 7,000 times and I'm going to forgive you, but I ain't giving you any more money. I learned my lesson, Joker. I got you. I'll forgive you, but you're not coming in. Uh. You've broken my trust. That's a whole different thing. Anybody hear my heart this morning? One of the most powerful things that we can do as a believer, and I want you to encourage you to do this over these holy days, practice forgiveness. Be quick to forgive, quick to repent, and let's stay in that blessing of God. Amen. Don't let anybody rob you of your peace over this season. Amen. Let's stand up. You can clap. God is good. If you are going to be a part of our uh, team that is going to Thailand, if you would come down front, we want to have a quick meeting with you and talk about our upcoming events. But uh, just know that Pastor Michelle and I, we love you deeply. We pray for you uh, on a regular basis. We are believing God for you. Uh, 2024 is going to be the year or more. Amen. 2024 is going to be the year of more. More of what? Whatever you chose to use your faith on. 2024, the year of more. More of his presence, more of him. I look more like him every day. I trust him more every day. More, more, more in 24. Grab hands with the person. We don't ever like to let a service end without offering you an opportunity, you know? Pastor, you've talked a lot about forgiveness, but let me tell you about the one that did the, all the forgiving. You know, I didn't get to it this morning, but Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And Jesus, in his worst, the wor everybody had been betrayed by his two disciples, by both Peter and Judas. All those that he had fed had abandoned him. All those that he had healed had abandoned him. He was there naked on a cross for the whole world to see, taking our shame. And in the midst of the most pain, in the midst of the worst circumstance, in the midst of the worst scenario possible, he chose that moment to utter these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, who did he forgive? I believe he forgave, those that forgave the ones that were actually doing the crucifixion but I think he was forgiven us. I think he was looking at each and every one of us and saying, I forgive you. That's what he did for you so that you can enjoy this thing called eternal life. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then I would love the privilege and the honor of leading you through this prayer. Saying this prayer does not seal it. Saying this prayer is the beginning of the journey, not the end. But just pray this prayer with me this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, I want to know you. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal all my diseases. Deliver me from all addiction. Give me a clear mind. 
I want to know your voice. Lead me to a good church. Give me a hunger for your word. But most importantly, be my best friend. In Jesus' name. Poof. When Monica Satcher was here, we went to, I told you this, we went to Outback that night and had dinner and there was a, a young man, transgender, that was waiting on us. And uh, I started the conversation with him about God and Jesus, but Monica, she closed the deal. And that young man sat down with us in that chair and he got saved. He prayed the prayer that you just prayed. Now, did that change everything in his life automatically? No, but it was the seed that starts. It's a seed. What we just did, it's a seed that just starts. I'm telling you, man, I'm a user of this product for almost 33 years. He's never failed me. He's never left me. Every day I grow closer and closer to him. Every day I want to look more just like him. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So if you're a first-time guest, we have a gift we'd like to give you. I'm sorry. Let me, can I just pray over you over Thanksgiving for those that are traveling? If you're traveling, just raise your hand. Father, I just plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over everybody that's traveling over this week. I declare in the name of Jesus that we will not be a statistic this year. I plead the blood over all forms of transportation, air, boat, sea, whatever, helicopter, whatever it is that you're taking. I declare the blessing of the Lord goes before you. I thank you that a word fitly spoken and in due season are like apples of gold and settings of silver, that you always know exactly what to say and when to say it and what not to say, that you will be healthy, that you will be blessed, and you will come out of this with a testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Amen?